Make sure you don't knock us here. No. That'd be a fun podcast. We could still get out, though. Like, like through theory. the front. Right. But People like, don't realize, like, you're not locked in. You can yeah. still get out. No, but still. Sleepover. Sleepover. Times. Sleepover meltdown. You don't want to sleep over here. It's, it's there's pretty... There's a ghost fun. here, There's right? a ghost, yeah. Didn't, I think an artist killed himself here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was an artist studio space, and then he offed himself. Yeah. And then now comics. There was a uh, woman... Yeah, like a couple months ago, came in here like old Mexican woman, and she was like, she walked around the store, and, and I said, "Bruja." Well, here's the thing: she was walking around the store, and she was like, "Ooh," she was like, "Yes," she was like <laughs> chills and shit, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" And I'm very like superstitious about that sure. shit, and I get freaked out really <laughs> I'm easy. A little stitious. I'm a, a little stitious. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not superstitious, but I am a, a, a little stitious. Like, sure. uh, That's like a cool rap name. Yeah. Too. <laughs> a little stitious. Cholo God. Cholo God. Yeah. So she like walks around. She's making a big deal because she's chilling. She's like shivering and. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, someone killed themselves. Here. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? fuck? Wow. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, yeah. I, I just saw someone at the top of the stairs. I was like, oh my god, god uh, damn it! Like that. I was like, that. That's that's cool. That's right. cool. Oh, I know. And, the, I know the story. I've heard people say they've seen or heard things, but I've never experienced any of it. So I was like, oh, sh- sure. Uh, there have been that, times. There have been times where I'll close up here at night and I'll realize that I forget something here. Oh, sure. I have to drive back sure. here. No, I have to. Come, I come back because I need it, and I, I'll. I'll Fucking, I'll open the back, I'll run through, like, the whole store, and I can run back out. Like, I'm not even ashamed. Sure. Clutching your rosary the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. should be recording. This is podcast gold, gentlemen. I'm going to open with that. All right. I mean, the the story's out there already, so it's not like I'm like, oh, somebody died. We love telling people that. You could use it as a segue, right? It's like forgotten stuff from the past. Right. That guy's a writer. Look at that. Jeff leads the writer. Sorry, Welcome to Meltcast 3.0. Thanks, buddy. Uh, today it's me, Aristotle, joined by Chris. Hey, and today we're joined by Eric Escavel. Hi, and Jeff Leeds hey. of the Not Forgotten Kickstarter. Yeah, yes, it's online so, right now. That's right. It's oh live. yeah, you can it's... go help kickstart it now. But tell us about it. How? Where did this come from? Jeff, take it. So this project began uh, several months ago when there was an, an open call essentially for submissions. It was organized by uh, two guys, uh, uh, one in San Francisco and one in Scandinavia, Whoa. Uh, who are buddies. And they had this idea to do an anthology where they were inviting people to submit stories where you would revive a hero or character from the golden age who's now in the public domain. So that means that the, the the copyright to the character was either never properly established or it was forfeited when a company went belly up or it was just, you know, sort of it just was somehow left open. And so there were a lot of companies who went under in the in the uh, the 50s and, and later where their rights to their characters became open or the first in the in the first place, they may never have been established. And so there's this really bizarre, interesting kind of treasure trove of characters and really ideas from kind of the late 30s through the early 50s, uh, these characters that are range from, uh, you know, bizarre space explorers to, you know, secret agents to, uh, you know, princesses from the moon to whatever uh, that are, that were just sort of sitting around in the dustbin, essentially. And so it was, the invitation was to try to take these characters and do something new with them. And so uh, various people had to pitch for it and get together their story ideas. And that's really what the anthology is. Okay. Uh, my first question from there is like, all right, so you see the, do you go find a list of these characters first or do you already have like somebody that comes to mind and then like, let's say I want to get in on this. I don't know any of these characters. I look at a list. I'm going to throw out the name Bucket Man. <laughs> Which is probably oh, not far off. I, I don't know. It pro- probably and, is very real. And no. then... Where do I go from there? Like, how is this something I could find on Comicsology? Do I so, have to go like digging to find this? There's a lot of websites Eric? for this. One of the cool things with these guys, it's the it's the only comics you can download and torrent legally because there's no rights holders to them. Ooh. So there's a lot of people who have a ton of archives of these guys. You can just read all huh. the Black Terror comics or all the Mars Mason or whatever you want, and, and you can read uh, a character. Unlike Batman or Superman, you can read read the full publishing history of these guys because usually it's not more than like 13 issues because they're so oh. obscure and weird. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot online that are just scans, a lot of, that are on torrent, or like uh, on Tumblr as well so you can find them kind of anywhere you just that's so nuts because i never uh, 
Okay. And they're the craziest <laughs> ones ever, too, because the, these guys, like, when they're creating superheroes, they're creating, like, a million a day just because mm-hmm. it was the hot new genre. So there's the most nuts guys out there. There's, like, a these pro wrestlers called Nightmare and Sleepy. Ooh. And their powers are just, like, they're kind of tired and they own spandex. <laughs> and, like, yeah, so they're the most, like, zany characters out there. So they're really fun to read just as a fan. Nice. Yeah, a lot of these characters were really just uh, ideas more than they were fleshed out characters. So when you do go back and do the research and you find those Golden Age uh, comic scans or or what have you, you, the story's maybe pretty thin, honestly, and and the, the origin stories of the characters may not be that 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 strong, really. And so there's it was really fascinating because in a way there's a there's a loose outline of a character for you to then kind of. Uh, flesh out or rebuild or revitalize in some way. So it's like there's a little bit of a playground that that we're uh, placed in, but it's really open ended, which is great because yeah. it's just like mythology. Where, like right. all we know about Thor is that he's the god of thunder, and these characters mm-hmm. that's all they are too. They're like it's this guy has the power of like having a giant head or whatever. Like when I first started doing comics, I actually took two public domain superheroes and I made one shots, and that's how I got into the entire industry. I did a book called uh, Blackest Terror which was a black terror as if he was like Malcolm X fighting racists and Klansmen and stuff. Shit. And then I did a book called Thor, Unkillable Thunder Christ, mm-hmm. which was Thor coming and uh, being worshipped in the modern era in a, in a religious like Scientology kind of type Unkillable fashion. Thunder <laughs> Christ. Holy right. fuck. Yeah, yeah. Man, Thanks, fucking man. awesome. Do you know the rapper Akira the Don? He actually no. he named a record after it. And, really? And, yeah, and like, and like sent me a copy and stuff. That's He's fucking really awesome. awesome. Yeah. We should play that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's true that there are a lot of characters that were uh, that are like Thor that are like, so obviously really well known now, uh, but they actually are public domain characters. So there are other really well known ones like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde is public domain. Frankenstein, I believe. I think is. Dracula yeah. is. I, Frankenstein might be too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, tons of really big characters that get remade into various pop culture properties all the time, and that's which is which is great. I don't think we went that route though. I think we were kind of like mining for the. The more obscure, the mm-hmm. sort of you know truly uh, well, I stole one ones in many cases. One of the ones that I, I wrote two stories for this anthology, and I think I'm the only one who wrote two. So that's exciting. I wrote uh, Doc Strange because right. obviously Stanley stole the name for Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. and Stanley actually had a habit of doing that. Like he used to read the uh, the pulp novels called The Spider too, which like L. Ron Hubbard wrote for in the 30s. Huh. And there's an Iron Man character in The Spider. And there's oh, a wow. there, and, yeah and and like the Spider-Man himself was inspired by the Stanley Spider. stealing stuff. Wow, yes. who would have thought? So he used to do it all. The time. So I I, I did Doc Strange because I wanted to like steal something that was stolen already. <laughs> yeah, well, where do you start? So like, do you start when you when you find those characters who have like crazy names? Like one of the names is what Atomic Baby. I'm looking through. The I think Atomic Tot. Atomic yes. Tot. Where do you start? Do you do you start with the power? Do you start with his origin story? Do you start? Wait, like where? Like also, do you, is it like necessary to necessarily go back and do that research? If I were to look at, again, going back to my to this list, if I saw the name Atomic Tot on the lit on the list, could I just go from there and, uh, or did did anybody do that? I guess I don't know if any. I haven't I haven't seen all of the stories. I don't think that anybody went just from like I'm going to take a name and then make it the entire thing up. I think everyone made some effort to at least read kind of a wiki entry or something mm-hmm. to get a, a, a start on things. Uh, I know for me that I kind of read a little bit about this character called 13 uh, before I went and ultimately found some of the, the early comics. And it really was the sort of the, the internet, you know, reading the internet post about it alone that kind of gave me uh, the idea or created my interest in the character. And I sort of started to go down a road before I'd actually read any of the comics mm-hmm. uh, about the character, which I think turned out to be a good thing because I'd already kind of built a bit of an idea based on what I thought it could be uh, before I e- even had any reference for the original story. Um, the original story was in a, uh, actually an anthology series itself called Daredevil Comics. And uh, the story of 13 was he was uh, this guy who had had this whole series of terrible events befall him. He'd you know, had lost family members in various freak accidents and stuff like so that. he was unlucky. He 13. was incredibly unlucky. Uh, unlucky 13. Uh, exactly. <laughs> And then he kind of just decides one day, the day that he uh, gets fired from his job, he decides, all right, that's it. I'm going to sort of, he doesn't actually explicitly say this, but what they're basically saying is he decides to use his whole jinxiness as a power. And so he then starts to sort of fight crime. Uh, he, he was a, he was actually a reporter. He loses his job at a newspaper. And then he kind of is using his reporting skills to go chase down, uh, I think it was a missing person or something. And he... The, the unluckiness kind of comes into play 
but not in a really explicit way. It's it, I thought it would be more interesting. It actually was a power, and he actually yeah. just by hanging out with bad guys just made terrible. You know, they were start started falling on banana peels or whatever all the time, <laughs> and so that was kind of the direction that I took it. That's, that's cool. Yeah. What about you? But I didn't know a lot. I didn't know much of it. There wasn't much there to go on at the beginning. Yeah, that's hard, yeah. right? Yeah. That's like this character. He's just freely unlucky. That's it. Yep. That's 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 all I can go off. It's of. kind of like Charlie Brown. I like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh it, shit! What just, if Charlie Brown grew up? To be a hero. Oh, yeah. fuck. A hero of the night. <laughs> yeah, so I did two stories. And my second one, uh, Mars Mason, the intergalactic postman, was kind of more of an obscure... That's a real... That was guy. a real character. That's <laughs> a real character. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so I write yeah. comics for a living, and I have done that for, for a few years now, uh, a little over half a decade uh, full-time, and 15 years, like, total. Uh, but so I've never thought of the idea of making a postman a superhero, even though there's the term, like, go postal and all that. Sure. So, like... All these these guys are always journalists, or they're like rich white guys. They're always kind of the same character. So to have a guy who just has to deliver mail to a really hard place to get to is such an interesting idea that you can repeat over an infinite amount of issues. Yeah. And I've never seen it done in the modern era, and that's really funny to me. So I, I enjoyed that guy. He's a space. He's a postman, but he's in space. So if he has to deliver like Mars to Martians, and they're having a race riot between the green ones and the white ones, and like all these really crazy stories. Yeah, and that's why I chose him because it, it was uh, it was such a clearly inspired character that I really like as a writer. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's uh, it's so interesting to to have these just, like weird name characters, but then <laughs> but that's like what I like about that's what I really liked about when when Batman was sort of it's retold over and over again. You sort of find new ways to to tell his story based off different stuff. He's about so like Scott Snyder just wrote about Batman and how dedicated he was to Gotham, and then you know obviously Dark Knight Returns is all about Batman and and, and his crusade against villainy, and then you know even just like Grant Morrison's Batman was more about his psychosis and and who he is and his parents dying and all that shit. So you can you can sort of retell Batman in lots of different ways. I think personally, I think it's getting tired. But with these characters who are public domain, you can or public domain, you can just define them however you want and make them like super fucking cool. Mm. And I think that's really really awesome. Um, even the idea of taking public domain characters and just making a Kickstarter out of it and making an anthology is like really fucking badass. I feel like very punk rock, and it's like. Why the fuck didn't I think of that? You know what I mean? Like, what what was what was the inspiration behind the, that, those two guys? Like, why, why did they want to do it? Yeah. Were they really just like big comic book guys, or just like, or they were like they're public domain? So why the fuck not? I think when you work in comics, like part of the the, the reasoning, other part of like the reason you want to do that is because you want to like carve your name on the Statue of Liberty, right? You right. want to like you want mm-hmm. these things are going to be around for forever. All of the guys who created these characters in this book that we're doing are dead now. Like yeah. they don't know that we're paying respect to them, but we still like we still love their work and we're reading it. And like in, in this in the sci-fi year of 2017, a bunch of nerds are reading their their works. Like their yeah. minds would be blown. Yeah. So I think there's that, that there's that culture connection where we want to keep their stories going because they're creators like us and they're insane weirdos like us. Right. And then the other side of that is that like that's all comics is anyway like i've written i've written superman and he's a character who was written in the 1930s yeah so was the black terror there's not a huge amount of difference there's just there's just more money behind superman and right so there's there's a marketing machine that tells you that he's culturally relevant and maybe he's just as cool as mars mason or as doc strange but there's no money behind that right so we are guys who are raising that money with the help of people like you to make these guys to give us more heroes because god knows we need more heroes right now right mm-hmm. well said yeah, I mean, we definitely need cooler heroes for sure. Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I don't know that these co- these heroes are cooler. Uh, a lot of you know. But, I don't know. I'm looking at these pages, I, I think, and think, they look I think fucking Mars awesome. Mason is pretty. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, I think it, it's really interesting though what what Eric just said about uh, the context in which these characters emerge, right? Because what you learn when you go back and you do the sort of homework on this period is that there were really everyone was throwing out these these kind of prototypes for heroes, right? And so there a lot of people had very similar ideas at the same time. So if you go back and look at what was actually put out in let's say the you know early forties, early thirties, there were twenty seven different versions of Captain America, right? Everybody had a take on a, you know, kind of an American icon who was, you know, fighting the Axis powers, let's say, and and had maybe had some powers or maybe it was just kind of like a, a patriotic sort of hero. But the you know the Kirby Simon Captain America is the one that happened to make it right that was maybe the best iteration of that kind of idea 
and that's the one that we all know and love today. Right. But but a lot of people were doing kind of something very similar around the same time. Yeah, how could and, they not, right? Right. And yeah. it's a similar time now. Like everyone's terrified. Like the, the country's really divided. Uh, politically, people are all freaked out. Whichever side you're on, everyone's sure the other side are Nazis. Right. And like so for right now to have like we all desperately want to have heroes. So it's it's fun to like escape into a world where there are a million of them. And like all, all of us as creators wanted to do this individually. So to be able to join up as a team together is kind of a very American thing of like yeah. we're all gonna join forces and everyone's vision of a better tomorrow is in this book. There's twenty stories and that's really exciting. Right. It's really cool and it's also really diverse in the sense that, you know, not all of us took on the uh the mission of trying to create a a sort of very serious uh or gritty superhero story. The Atomic Tot and many of the others are just like wacky, really fun comics, which is great because it does reflect the way comics really grew up at the beginning, right? There was everything from, you know, little funny strips to, you know, more serious stuff. And, yeah. and this really shows the, the range of what the, of the world these, creator, these uh, creations really came out of. Yeah. Do you know how many pages the book is? It's over 200, Ooh. which is pretty cool. Who is your artist, Jeff? So my artist is a guy that I found called Marco Macagni. Uh, he's in Italy, and uh, I found him after uh, quite a bit of research. That was his page back there. Which one? Uh, one more down there. And that one. Oh, and, nice. uh, yeah, he, that's beautiful. He, uh, he kind of blew my mind. He, uh, I, I reached out to him, and I said, hey, uh, you know, I, I have an idea for this, this story. Uh, and he, um, he, he re- responded right away. One of the things that I didn't know that turned out to be sort of lucky was uh, Marco actually uh, had drawn a comic uh, called Archon for – um, for Action Lab, and so he uh, the Archon takes place in Las Vegas uh, in the eighties, and it so happens this wasn't why I, I sort of uh, responded to Marco, but uh, my story takes place in Vegas in the sixties. Oh, cool! And so I said, well, you've you've now done Vegas in the eighties. Uh, w- how hard would it be for you to kind of rewind that a little bit and do something in the sixties? And he was really into the idea. Yeah. So uh, he he turned out to be just a really fantastic talent. I'm I'm incredibly lucky to have, have found him and, and have had him agree to work with us because I think he really got into this character and uh, and the whole sort of world around it. He uh, redesigned 13's costume. I you know sent him some uh, you know copies of the original comics, which are uh, very have it where he's got a very basic costume. It's the most basic sort of cape and mask thing that you could ever do. Uh, Marco did an incredible job reinventing it and making it feel sort of, you know, bigger and tougher, I think, which was right for the, the, the story. Um, and then he's, uh, he's pumped about it. Yeah. He's, he did a fantastic he job. Looks, we kinda, it we looks kinda, great. We kind of had him, uh, both the, the story kind of lets him draw a bit of, uh, what should be kind of an older, you know, forties ish 13, as well as the, what is happening in the present of the story, which is 1966 Las Vegas. So it's kind of the older, bitter, uh, it's the it's the old man Logan take on thirteen essentially. Is he uh, is he doing the colors too? Uh, he didn't do the colors himself, but he uh, he connected us with the colorist. Oh, okay, and, cool. And the inker. So tell us what thirteen is about because uh, it's it's set in Las Vegas, which is awesome. Right, so, a, a really unlucky character. So playing, <laughs> in Las Vegas. I just right. got that. Oh so my god. <laughs> so, so playing off the 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 luck thing, um, I I thought I think the 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 idea was that I wanted I said what if. Uh, going back to this whole idea of not forgotten and the fact that these these characters were kind of essentially trapped in the 40s, right, or the or the mm. 50s, whenever they were last sort of written about, and I was like, well, what if what if we took the timeline literally? What if 13 really was a character in the 40s? So what happens to him? Let's say 25 years later. So it's a little bit of a whatever happened to story. And I thought, uh, you know, it, and it, this was before the like the Logan movie and all that stuff was happening. But uh, I did wonder, like, does a guy who and I also I think the other thing I would say is I, this notion that he's like has this horrible stuff happen to him. Yeah. Right. It's not like oh he you know he he broke his broke his foot you know stepping off the curb. He's had horrible horrible things happen to him. He's lost his family. Lost his job. Uh, lost his job. Uh, really you know in really tragic ways. And and so I thought and so I didn't really buy the idea that he would just sort of well he just decided to get over that and you yeah. know, fight crime. But no no his 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 fundamental state is not that he's a superhero. His fundamental state is he's a horribly unlucky guy. And so in the story, over time, after he, he's, it's sort of after he's had his superhero days, his, his luck turns bad again, uh, and he's, um, he's kind of a washed up, kind of a, a ex-hero type in Vegas. The one thing he has left is he, can, he can't really make people have bad luck anymore, but he can sense who has good luck. And so the casinos uh, hire him because they use him to say, okay, that guy over there is winning, but I can see he actually has luck. He's really winning in a genuine way. 
that guy over there is winning and he mm. doesn't have luck, which means oh. he's probably cheating. And so then the casino goes and you know can figure out who's who's cheating and whatnot. Uh, so he has a job after having lost all of his superhero uh, abilities, but he's uh, very unhappy. He doesn't feel like he can get close to anyone because he's worried he's going to curse them and so forth. Um, and then uh, one night, a, a sort of old rival of his uh, shows up at the casino, and he is um, he's a numbers expert. He's a he's a math whiz. And so he starts winning uh, really oh, big at a casino, and thirteen gets a little suspicious, <laughs> and uh, things kind of kind of go. That's from awesome. There. But I just I thought it was really uh, much more interesting to kind of do a kind of take on him w- when it's much later. I, I thought the the standard story of like him in the cape, uh, just making people have unlucky things happen to them was was kind of cool. But I thought I could do more with it, and so it was really fun to kind of f- do almost like an Elseworlds you know version of of thirteen. It's a cool idea, man. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool Thank idea. You. Yeah. Uh, That's, yeah. This goes to both of you, but I want to hear from Jeff first because I, I know you're I'm leaving. I'm a little leaving. bit, <laughs> but I also want the people to hear. What's your, your background in comics? Like, what's the- So my background in comics is really just uh, as a fan. I, my, mm-hmm. my very first job was in a comic book shop in Virginia, and I've loved comics you know, really my, my whole life. It wasn't really until just uh, the last couple years that I thought about actually trying to do it seriously. And it wasn't until this anthology that I really felt like, okay, I have an idea for something specific that I could do. So I was, I, I'd been sort of looking and looking and, and something about the, the nature of this playground where it was kind of defined for us, but also really open in a way spoke to me. And so that, that was kind of what, what clicked for me and, and allowed me to go, okay, I'm going to go for this. Hmm. So this would be my first published work if we get it. Out wow. There. That's awesome. Nice. Damn. I'm psyched. Very cool. Yeah, so I've worked in comics for a while. I started making comics like 15 years ago, just like really crappy black and white, like Kinko's comics, which are kind of my favorite still to read. Uh, It was a lot of fun. (laughs) And and I've I've worked, uh, so eventually I was a boy that made good and I got in real comics and that was really fun. So I worked on stuff like uh, the DC holiday special. I did the Superman Christmas story uh, for that last year. And uh, super, I've done uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, too, and Mega Man, and all kinds of fun stuff. Lego Batman did for Scholastic. Nice. Uh, right now, I'm writing Yokai Watch for IDW, which is an adaptation of a Japanese anime that is really popular. Hmm. It, uh, it actually made more money in the box office than, than Star Wars The Force Awakens. So it's, no way. Yeah, so it's huge in Japan. It's like the new Whoa. Pokemon, basically. So I'm excited I got to write that. And then I'm doing Animal Jam for IDW, which is another, like, talking animal superhero book, <laughs> which is really fun. And, uh, and it's based on a National Ge- Geographic video game for yeah. kids online. It's like the new Warcraft Wait, for tweens. A real-life National Geographic video game. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the largest uh, MMO thing for young people. They, they have over 70 million users. Oh, and it's a, it's what? It's like a, an animal superhero game that also teaches you real science facts. I had no idea. So it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. It's the fastest growing uh, young adult property in America right now. So that's cool. Whoa. And the first issue comes with stickers. Oh. So that's pretty exciting. All right. Who is that through? Uh, Dynamite. So the first one's IDW, second one's Dynamite. Yeah, and I did two stories for Synthology. I did a Doc Strange and the Faceless Phantom story with Jerry Gaylord. What's uh, what's the Faceless Phantom? He's this enemy. He's this kind of generic, uh, like, jerk-looking guy. He's uh, this big purple dick basically. Uh, and, and so there's this city where there is almost like Metropolis where these two guys are this, these Titans that are part of everything. Like doc strange is this, uh, kind of doc savage meets Batman style character. There's a human being who does drugs and gets really strong and then fights evil in the typical forties fashion. He's like, yeah. he like does speed basically and gets all powerful <laughs> and bulletproof. Uh, and, and so Jerry for, for Eric, yeah. you, when you, when you were kind of figuring this out, did you feel like you wanted to do anything to make the, make the, pages feel like they were from the golden age in some way like did you did you was there some sort of question around like do having to nod to to the literal kind of period in some way well jerry and i kind of did a thing that was like um people in the late 30s envisioning what today looks like so there's like these monorails and stuff right it it looks very like what drawings the world's fair of new york would look like that's a really fun era to play with. Uh, so cool. And Jerry Gaylord's amazing. He and I also did some books together for Boom Studios called Loki, Ragnarok and Roll, which is about yes. Loki being a rock star. So it was fun to reunite with him. He's really, really good. And we did a story about um, one of the henchmen for the Faceless Phantom who realizes he's even like a raw deal and he defects to be a, a good guy henchman. Oh, cool. And how his life changes through that and the pressure of his old buddies kind of pressuring him. And it's sort of like a gang story with superheroes. Yeah. And that was fun because like – Back in the day, it was kind of only white dudes telling stories of these characters. So we wanted to have like these big, giant, uh, rich buttholes in the city controlling <laughs> everything, and then tell the story of the kids who are like 
in that world. Yeah. And as like a Mexican guy and a black dude, it was fun to like have our perspectives told with a story that would never get that in a million years in like 1939 or whatever. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And then uh, Ryan Cody and I, who worked for Heavy Metal Magazine in the past, we did the Mars Mason story. And Mars Mason is actually one of Ryan's favorite characters. Like he he pitched me that guy. He was like, "We have to do this dude. He's insane." What is he? Uh, he's so he's an intergalactic postman. He's a mailman oh, out okay. in space. Got it. So we, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We drew him like Cable. Basically, he looks like this big giant burly dude who's like <laughs> seen some shit, but he's just a postman. So it's it's really like '90s fun. Yeah, I think I was really amazed when I started to see the art from everybody else's stories because everyone we didn't really. I mean, the truth is, right? You know, we didn't coordinate on any of this. Right. right everyone right. sort of did the the stories that they. Uh, that they'd pitched and uh, there was no sort of approach to or mandate for how to do the art or how to you know how to do really any of it and so uh, it was really cool to see the the amazing diversity of approaches that people brought to it because some of them are some of them people really did try to make them feel kind of pulpy and very like Mm -hmm. 40s even even colored the pages a little bit or or just discolored the pages to make Mm -hmm. them look sort of retro Um, and then you know some of us uh, did really sort of weird psychedelic stuff that's feels kind of modern and you know some of us aim for somewhere in the middle and so i i think it's uh it's a really cool project for that reason i i think there was a it i think that something about every story probably does in some way nod to the the real golden age uh in more than just the origin of the stories but uh but in other ways people really went for it literally how long have you guys been putting this together because i mean i'm looking at the pages and the pages look really great they you look at like other kickstarters and you're like there are anthologies for different stuff, um, and the art just seems like, wow, you could just really just put this together. But this like seems like you guys have been doing this for a little bit. I think a few months. A few it wasn't, months. wasn't that long. Because oh. everyone was so excited, they just got to it right away. Yeah. Because like, they're things we'd wanted to tackle for a long time. Like, all of it just seems, like, super A+. It's such a great prompt for creatives, too, because it really gets your juices going. And the fun yeah. thing, if, if you listening are a writer or an artist, you can buy this book and you might find your favorite character and you can continue these stories. Yeah. Mm. Like, you can do the next chapter, basically, of the ones that we wrote. And that's that's really fun legally. It's, it's like a way for us as a community to interact and play all these things that you legally can't with, like, a Batman or a Spider-Man. Uh, I think that actually happened, right? There's a guy in the book named uh, Omar Morales who wrote a story on a character called Moon Girl. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if I understand correctly, he's already worked out a deal with Alterna Comics to turn his short story. Mm. No shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is going to take it to print, which is great, right? That's, that's awesome. What, that's yeah. exactly what what I think all of us would love to see happen for these characters, right? yeah. Because I think we've now that we've all invested the time, yeah, uh, in rediscovering them and creating new kind of identities for them or new stories around them, finding new ways to even showcase what they look like. In the case of the you know some of this great art, um, it's almost like why stop, right? Now we've kind of like done done the hard work of figuring out wh- who they could be. And so why wouldn't you want to kind of see more from these characters? It's mm-hmm. super punk rock. Like, these characters belong to us. Like, yeah. I, I love DC and Marvel and those guys. And, like, I've worked for those dudes. But, like, these belong to us. And you can play with them, too. And that's really fun. I hope these characters get way more popular after this book. Totally. Yeah, that's really cool. Talk about Let's talk about some of the other artists and writers on there. Who who are, like, really excited about reading from? Um, Jeff. I'm a fan <laughs> of Jeff. <laughs> I'm, I can't wait to read both of Eric's stories. <laughs> uh, I know we've got uh, a story by Jason Inman who um, is done, actually just had another successful Kickstarter uh, for a character called Jupiter Jet. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so um, Jason's great. Um, and uh, we've also got, let's see, um, uh, our editor, Matt Harding, uh, who's based up up uh, in Northern California, has a story that he did with his dad oh. about a character called Airboy. Uh, Airboy, is, in some ways, is one of the better, uh, to the extent that you're kind of nerdy enough to know about public domain superheroes, Airboy is one that you might have heard yeah, of. Yeah, I think uh, James Robinson and uh, yeah, that's right. Homeboy, they did something on Image for that, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. That's but exactly. that, it wasn't about Airboy, it was about them writing Airboy that's and exactly right. from them getting <laughs> super <laughs> fucked up Very on Charlie Jones. Charlie Kaufman-esque. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So uh, so Matt and his dad are, have an Airboy story, which I think is really awesome. I, it, it seems really, I think uh, the story that Matt has told is that his dad you know, kind of introduced him to comics, and so this they're actually getting Who's drawing it? Dad? Matt's drawing it. Wow, okay. And so uh, Airboy is a the, – the basic, I think, prototype of the character was that he was just – you know, comes out of the 40s kind of World War II era and he's a, he's a, he's a kid uh, who is a, an incredible aviator and he, I think, has a sort of a – some sort of a magic special plane His plane that he flaps flies, its wings right? like, yeah, like a bird. Oh. But he's a kid and he kills Nazis just gleefully. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's really awesome to read this. He's like, I'm a little blonde, blue-eyed wonderkin. And he's just murdering Nazis left and right. It's so fun. Right. Okay, and so like, there's the, a full range of creatives in this book too. There's people who like it's their first book, like Jeff, and then there, there's like 
all kinds of folks. James Harren is really cool. He worked on BPRD. Yeah, James Harren's mm-hmm. great. You might have heard He's of. doing Rumble right now. Mm-hmm. Rumble's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he did the cover uh, for the book. and that's With Mr. A, Monster, That's the right? cover of Mr. Monster, right? Yeah. Which is another character that has been reinvented a little bit in the last couple of decades. Every now and again, people have tried to do mm-hmm. stuff with him. But I, I think his, uh, his depiction is awesome. Yeah. Well, so your favorite – I think your what I've heard is that your favorite part about writing these characters is trying to redefine them. Is that – Well, I think like – a reinterpreting for a modern era like we, Jeff and I write the way we write so and these guys wrote the way they wrote and we're like so they're they're not better or worse they're just reinterpreted the way that stories are told now and for for the case of like Doc Strange I I uh we were doing like henchmen so it's literally like off panel what was happening in those old stories right so it exists within the same continuity and all that but it's just it's just our perspectives on it yeah I think that's right. I think I think another way that I, I thought of it was, like I said, I'm sort of new and I really saw in some ways these characters as like uh, training wheels. It was like I, I, you know, I did have an original idea. Uh, and once I kind of learned a little bit about the character, I had you know a bunch of things I wanted to do with them. But it was really uh, neat to uh, to reinterpret them, but have a, that basis to start with. Right. There was a little bit there was a germ or a seed of an idea there that, that was at least kind of like getting us out the door to start. Yeah, and I think being able to start with that was really fun for me, too. That's great. Aristotle. I'd say this is a little more like nuts and boltsy, like deep dive kind of stuff. But I'm real interested in hearing like this is your first book how do you I guess communicate with your artist how you what you want on the pages having this be your first book like that being the first experience you know what I mean telepathically (laughs) yeah I mean he so uh, even like even writing like what was the your first first, yeah, yeah, yeah right so I I guess I I think the one thing that worked in my favor is that I I feel like I'd read so much and and sort of sort of worked uh, so much to kind of figure out how to break down a comic that I I felt reasonably confident that I could that I could put that I could translate an idea to the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had a sense of how, what you could fit into a panel and what the sequence should look like and all that sort of stuff. And I was really lucky at the same time in that you had a guy like Marco who is a you know working comic artist uh, who was able to take, you know, to the extent that there were gaps or what have you, and was able to, you know, kind of fill some of that, some of that in. I think um, he, uh, and he's in Italy, by the way, so mm-hmm. we really have communicated mostly by, by email. But there, I have to say there, we were lucky there wasn't a lot of, uh, hey, this really isn't going to work, you got to redo this, or, you know, hey, I, I, you know, see this a completely different way or what have you. He, uh, he was able to really take... Um, Take the uh, the ideas uh, on the page on the script and and execute them. I tr- I could tell from you know as I got to learn more about Marco as an artist that he, you know he was so, he's so great at drawing the the uh, this really kinetic action that I wanted to make sure that we left sort of space for him to do that mm-hmm. um, at the when the time comes in the story. Uh, those pages are bananas. I can't wait for people to to see that that part of the story. But um, uh, it was so it was I, I guess it was a lot of. It was a lot of experience in the sense of uh, being a consumer of it and trying to spend the time to kind of break it down, mm-hmm. uh, and then have, working with an artist who kind of knew uh, who knew how to you know how to hold my hand a little bit through the through the process. Nice, because that's uh, I've never written uh, a comic, but I've thought about it and I'm thinking of it. Those wheels are turning, but those are the kinds of things that I'm like, fuck, I don't even know how to do that. Like I've, I've been reading the comics. But I still don't know, like, maybe there's something behind the scenes that I'm missing that I don't know right now. It's like a weird different language that you, that you learn, like, but after a while it becomes just second nature, you know? Mm-hmm. I think anybody can do it, though. If, if like, Harvey P. Carr used to draw little stick figures on a napkin and, like, shove them into Crumb's face. So, like, <laughs> any way you want to tell a story, you can tell a story. There's no, like, secret way to do it. Totally. I think mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, as Eric said, it's not, it isn't quite like any other medium, right? It's not like writing a movie or, or even a, a screenplay. TV show or a screenplay. Yeah. It's, it's its own thing, but I think... Um, if you you think about you know even in the major publisher comics how sometimes how little happens uh, through the course of an of an issue because they're trying to sustain something over a long period of time. I hate that writing for the trades. It, I hate that it's, so much. It's true, but yeah. it's but it is a but you actually can kind of recognize it. And mm-hmm. I think when you start to see it and really look at how are they getting through, how are they filling twenty two pages um, when nothing's really happening. happening? That was fun reading these old stories because yeah. they weren't graphic novels yet, right. so they're not they're not trying to make anything six issues. Everything is like the craziest thing you've ever read, and then it's nine pages long. Yeah, <laughs> right. so it just, it's like these little like candy. Coated bullets and nutso. Like, I'd also yeah. imagine that they're writing like not knowing like I might not have 
a comic next week. I yeah. might have to have something else. Yeah, it's, it's, this a, needs it's the Great Depression. This is my job. I'm so lucky. I can't believe that it. is true. And what's what actually was really helpful about that, uh, as Eric just said, is these were mostly a lot of these were short comics to begin with, right? They're in there are they're short stories in a larger anthology yeah. comic back then, or you know they were. Uh, they were short-lived or what have you. And, the, you know, the stories that we did for this book are, I think the 10 pages was the max, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we're we not writing 22 pages uh, each here either. We're restricted to, like, a pretty, you know, a pretty limited amount of space as well, which in some ways made it uh, harder, right? Because you've got to be that much more economical in the in, in the way you're telling the story. But in this, at the same time, I think made it um, made it achievable for, you know, if you're, if you're just trying to get, you know, a, a taste of, of that character out into the world. Talk us through these rewards because there are yes. some tiers. We want to get people to get in on this. What are we? Think, so what twenty are we bucks for? is the buy-in where you get a physical copy, okay. and that is that's my favorite one because it's cheap. It's twenty bucks is nothing, and you actually get the book. Mm. A lot of Kickstarters you have to spend like fifty bucks to get like a sixteen-page single issue, which is like embarrassing and yeah, distressing. You get the digital and the physical. Yeah, for, for so it's a two hundred plus page book for twenty bucks, which is amazing. That's then, incredible. Is it hardcover? Uh, I think it's, you Not, know, it's medium cover. It's, <laughs> it's medium cover. It. <laughs> That's how I like to start. I like to get to hard later. Ladies. We should, Ooh. <laughs> I was talking video games. We should maybe also mention that uh, if you buy in at the $20 level, $20 level, you also uh, can uh, bring proof of your purchase to Meltdown for a 10%. That's right. Which is amazing. Ooh. Meltdown, I love you guys more Thank than guys my so own much. family. You're amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what else have we got going on? I see some retailer exclusives, some posters. Some... One of my favorite uh, reward levels, I think, is at, I think it's 100 bucks. Uh, there are There's a number of people kind of around this project who've kind of come in to support it. Uh, one of them is a guy named John Morris. He's amazing. He's a fantastic cartoonist, and he actually wrote uh, his own hardcover book uh, a couple of years ago that I think is called The League of Regrettable Superheroes. Yeah, and the sequel's yeah. coming out soon, League of, of Villains. That's yeah. right. And so it's the, it's the, the first idea was to do this... Uh, this roundup of uh, a lot of a lot of characters that he just found to be regrettable. Not some of them are these kind of obscure, tossed off public domain characters. Some of them are just re- really terrible ideas from the early days of the major publishers who, who actually still belong to those publishers. But they're just all just bizarre people, right? And so he did this really funny but incredibly thoroughly researched book uh, uh, about this kind of stuff. And I think he actually worked with our editors, uh, including Matt, on in consulting on this project mm-hmm. to kind of make sure. You know what we had was was really public domain and so forth. So John did a uh, did a reward tier where you come in at hundred bucks, you get all the stuff that you would get at lower levels. You get the the print book, the digital book, but you also get, I believe, it's a print uh, that John is doing exclusively for the Kickstarter. So um, that's really cool to me because I think he's a guy who you know really knows his stuff and has an incredible taste when it comes to these characters. John inspires me a lot personally, so he's he's really really great. And uh, do you guys also know like well he was on NPR one time. And uh, he had this amazing like bit about 3D Man, and that's uh, that's kind of like how he got on the the editors. I believe this is how he got on the editors like uh, radar. Uh, list around the radar. Yeah, yeah, because he he just ranted for like a half an hour about 3D Man, the old Marvel character, and how like terrible but great he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, John's amazing. It's not it's not easy to write these characters. I feel like if like if I were to find someone in the public domain and and they had a really dumb name, it'd be really hard for me to be like. <laughs> you know what a bad name is? Spider-Man. That is a bad yeah. name. You're right. It's ridiculous. But yeah. you, there's no such thing as a bad character. There's only bad writers. So you can right. find something like, and, and make it amazing. Say it one more time. There's, there's no, no such, no thing, such as... thing as a bad character. There's only bad writers. There you go. Like, yeah. Mm. So this is really inspiring. And, it's, and there's some of these stories in here are better than like DC and Marvel things that I've read. Or people just kind of rely on the fact that you know who the character is. You had the Lego. You had the pajamas. So you're gonna like it. Like pay four dollars. F you. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is like someone writing. They're, they're writing it and they're making you love it in nine pages. And yeah. that's such a harder job and such better artistry. And like I really respect all these contributors so much. Except so, for one, but I'm not going to tell you which oh, one. Uh, Jeff. Some drama. Oh, no. Some drama. Jesus. I'm just kidding. I love everybody. Damn it. <laughs> well, here's... You have something? I don't know. I thought you were going to say something. Well, here's a softball question. If you guys could write one of the most ancillary characters between Marvel or DC, who would it be? Oh, man. Jeff. Jeff, you should go. You should go. An ancillary character? So someone who doesn't already have like, yeah. uh, their own book or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Mm. You know, it's a great question, and I, I mean, certainly some of my favorite comics over the last couple of years have been people already kind of doing that, right? Yeah. Like I, you know, obviously everyone talks about Tom King's Vision, which mm-hmm. is an insane book. Crazy how that just, like, fucking took off and, like, popped out. It's so good. 
it's so good, and you could never, you, I could not see anybody doing that with any of the bigger characters. Yeah, right? he did this amazing twelve issue like Shakespearean thing that you know was incredibly specific and ha- only had to work that that way. Yeah, I, I don't know, you know, that you could, that he, anyone could have had license to do that with a Spider Man. Let's say, um, yeah. So that that's an incredible book, I think. Um, and Warren Ellis's Moon Knight, which is six issues is absolutely one of my favorite things from the last couple of years. And it's like, you know, I've read Moon Knight comics off and on before, but never quite like that. And that was yeah. a character, again, where, like, nobody's really sweating that guy, you know, at the moment. And yet here comes a six issues of Warren Ellis. And it, it was, I thought that was a fantastic uh, short run. So can't forget about Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl, too. Right. Yeah. She's, like, top shit, though, now. She's, yeah. She she's absolutely popular. is, yeah. Um, that's a great question. I'm going to have to think about that for a second. I stumped me on that one. I bet Eric knows already. I've got a few. I've got yeah. a few. Uh, okay, so Zorro yeah. is my favorite character. And I can't believe that he's not more popular right now. He's this guy who is a a freedom fighter, basically. And in California, back when California was still, like, part of Spain. And, and, and like, you know, he's this guy who, like, fought corruption and evil politicians and racism in California, in L.A. specifically. And, 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 like, that's the most relevant thing in the world right now. Right. And I can't believe there isn't, like, a Batman Beyond-style reboot for Zorro. Because we still have that fucking Antonio Banderas in our, oh, our minds. Oh, <laughs> I love those movies. Those were good movies, but uh, what's the guy? What's the guy's name who played Hannibal? Uh, Antonio Hopkins. So he plays Mexican? Yeah. In that, and he has, like, shoe polish on his face? Yeah. And he has, yeah. like, the worst accent oh, ever. pretty bad. And I wanted to end my own life. Oh, fuck. But, yeah, so so I want to do a uh, Batman Beyond-style Zora reboot where he's fighting, like, evil immigration uh, corrupt <laughs> guys in, in Los Angeles in, in the current era. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Mm. Or I would give Matter Eating Lad an eating disorder and go the Vertigo route. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you have one? Did you find? Do you still I'll do stop? another one if you don't have one. <laughs> uh, no, you know who I would do is uh, who's the guy? Who's the who's the Constantine's buddy? The ghost that he always talks to Casper. first. It's not Casper. <laughs> is, maybe his name is John. The taxi cab driver. Yeah. Oh man, everyone at home is yelling at us right now. Right, I know, but, but yeah, go on. Guy, we know that guy. Right? So yeah. you would do. You got. You'd go to the guy who. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> How dare you? Chat. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't. I'm say. looking it up. I'm okay. looking it up. Okay. Anyway, go on. you would take the. There's a guy that I feel like is always the first kind of ghost or spirit that he talks to. Uh, it feels like every other Constantine mm-hmm. book recently, at least he's. It's Chaz okay. Chandler. Okay. So and he's, <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he's a spirit, right? He's uh, yeah. He's passed over or whatever. So. I think you would do. I think it would be really fun to do kind of like a short run that focuses on the world from that mm-hmm. guy's perspective, right? So it's like uh, he, you can imagine all the constant stories, but looked seen from the other side of the of the mirror. Essentially, uh, I think that would be a really fun thing to do because you're you know we've never really seen uh, in Constantine's world what the problems are that the ghosts are sort of dealing with on a data basis. You know that in Constantine's world, right, they're coming out, they're haunting people, they're killing people, they're doing whatever. I, I think it'd be really interesting to kind of, but not all of them are, right? He actually lives in this whole world that's just inhabited by kind of pedestrian spirits that are just kind of like living in whatever the everyday world of in the spirit world is. Uh, I would like to go see what that, what a day in the life of those hmm. people is. So that might be a fun thing to do for a while. That's a good that's one. Cool. Yeah. I do our man. Our man, our yeah. man, or Wildcat. Our man's like a cokehead, right? Like he does Miraclo. He, yeah, Miraclo. He, he gets he gets powers for an hour. But I, I would I would want to figure out. I, I think I, it'd be so cliche and dumb derivative to go the route of he's an, he's addicted to it. But it'd be, it'd be more of a way of uh, a story of him trying to find out how to make it, how to make it go forever. So mm-hmm. him trying to find the way to make Miraculo not just last an hour, but forever, and then him losing his identity through that, because then he's no longer our man, he's just a regular fucking superhero. She doesn't, like, work for Pfizer? Too. Yeah, 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 shit like that. What would yours be? Uh, oh, and I did just Paris. think of another one. Go ahead. Uh, Aristotle. This is somebody that hasn't had their own book yet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As far as... Uh, or, or no, I mean, not, no, no. It could, they could have, but it's, 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 it's not currently. Yeah. Mm. Well, I feel like now, given our current cinematic climate yeah he's going at least going to be a fairly well-known character but i love black bolt okay and there, sure. there is going to be a black bolt uh solo book yeah. but i feel like i could write a fucking great black bolt about like uh holding back your anger mm-hmm. and not being able to like saying anything with that anger, sure, right. It's like that's that's right there. I think it'd be challenging for that reason, right? You have to every everybody who takes that on has to say, all right, how am I going to write this guy without 
writing and talking, anything, right? Yeah. That'd be awesome. It's not, not so easy. Uh, I was going to say uh, there's a DC character who I was actually just reintroduced to recently called Buana Beast. Yeah, dude. Oh. Yeah, dude. Uh, Buana Beast, was, and I, Eric probably knows more about the mythology here than I do, but basically his power, I don't remember his origin, but his powers are basically that can, he can take the powers or abilities of multiple animals at once and then CGC? he's the one who's, I think he's a, yeah yeah he was, he was, was an he, animal was man he, great, he was in Great Morrison's that's animal right. man right yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he also from, Batman Brave and the Bold too. that's right oh, he was okay. in Brave and the Bold and, uh, and so but he, he can fuse animals so that you, you can take like a monkey and a lobster and have right. like a monkey with lobster claws that's and then right. he throws it at a bank robber that's right there's a I actually was thinking about him the other day and I went and found on uh, online there's an I think it's in the Brave and the Bold when he turns Batman into a griffin or something that's, oh my god comics are so good you guys that's never going to be in a movie in a million years comics are the best comics are the best but Bat Griffin, but basically he turns him into a, a Griffin, and then and he and it's funny because he's about to do it, and Batman kind of knows it's coming, and, and Hawkman like, oh, gets like, oh damn it, and he like then transforms into the Griffin, uh, and held, and that he uses the Griffin powers to then go fight uh, whoever they're fighting. But I think uh, I think there's a lot of great stories about Animal Man. I think uh, Bolana Beast presents some really interesting opportunities as well. So I might go down the road of like you know Bolana Beast at the zoo or Bolana Beast at some other. Uh, place where he's got to make some interesting decisions about what animals he can or can't use. Being biracial, I like Bonnaby because it'd be funny. <laughs> you fuse the Irish parts with the Mexican parts, and you make a superhuman, and it's called Eric. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly, like exactly. Uh, I was going to say the, the the cartoons are killing it. Mm-hmm. Like DC makes great yeah. cartoons, mm-hmm. and they they do a great job of bringing in like all the characters that most people don't know. Like I remember for a while, I forgot what year it was. They had these little shorts about Animal Man. <gasps> yeah, dude. That were so funny. Yeah, those were really so great. good. I love Animal Man. I yeah. love, love, love Animal Man. They did Plastic Man, too. Were, yeah. He's like the best cartoon. He should just be in cartoons almost yeah. specifically. He's awesome. Do you guys like El Diablo a lot? Yeah, he's cool. I People don't him. talk about him enough. I wish I could write a book with him, too, because I yeah. like the idea that he's evil for being in a gang. But a gang is just people who like are outside of the law, who hang out together, who to defend themselves from outsiders. Right. And that's what the Justice League is too. Right. right so I right. like the idea that like when it's white people hanging out, it's a Justice League. Yeah, but when yeah. it's like brown people, it's a gang. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And I would have him have that point of view, and like have him have to like break out. And, yeah. He's like his 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 neighborhood's Batman. Yeah. But everyone else in the entire world hates him. Right. And like that's really interesting to me. It's sort of like Daredevil with Hell's Kitchen, but like mm. Superman says he should go to jail. And that's very really very funny. about his family. Very about his 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 homies. His and, block. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He them from all outsiders, but but he's a bad guy in the eyes right. of the rest of the world. I think that'd be really fun. They have to, to be do. careful because his block could become sort of this like oh like uber utopia, and then they could be like, "What the fuck is going on?" You I, know. I think the arc of the character would be that he starts at this neighborhood and he goes to like then his ethnicity because it's yeah, right. that's and then he goes to human beings as a whole. And then right. he goes to the Earth, and now he's a defender of the world, and now right. he's a Justice League member, and now like my gang is humanity, and he goes from being like Fuck. insular, right? Fuck. And like there, there are no borders, <laughs> and there are no di- like different people. Like we're all just humans, guys, and like yeah. you could you could walk someone through that like Breaking Bad style, and I would break your damn heart. It would be amazing. <laughs> El Diablo is not public domain. No, Fuck. no, no, yeah, not anymore. Right? Maybe, maybe delete this and I'll pitch it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can just make like a, a side zine, just sell it under oh the table, God. you know? Yeah, yeah. D- just call him. Um, Diablo, not El Diablo. Yeah, yeah, he's not yeah. the devil. He's just devil. He's just yeah. devil. Fuck, that's so good. Well, thanks, guys. This totally. is absolutely yeah. great. Uh, Wait, so what's going on on Wednesday though? Oh yeah. So that's the last day of a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So right. So the Kickstarter ends uh, Wednesday night, and so which is let's say the, the date for the, the eighth. It's that's March eighth. Right, yeah. So Melton's been kind enough to give us uh, a couple of hours on the live stream. Mm-hmm. So uh, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday, we're going to be live streaming kind of a telethon oh, yeah. to uh, wind up the Kickstarter campaign. So we'll, uh, we'll have uh, a bunch of folks come in, and we'll talk about the book. We'll talk about their projects. We'll try to do some uh, games and raffles. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of nuts. Uh, I know a couple of the people coming, uh, and I don't want to give any surprise away, but it's it's definitely gonna. I think we're gonna try to expand the world beyond comics fans, yeah, and bring in people uh, to to melt down to this book who who wouldn't otherwise have encountered it, which is gonna be really fun. So uh, it'll be nine nine p.m. to midnight uh, on the live stream, and we'll, we're gonna try to take the Kickstarter as far as we can. I think if we uh, get our goal. That's great. If we get beyond that, we'll we'll try to get people some cool extra stuff. I think we're eighty one percent right now as of this recording. And uh, so the book's called Not Forgotten on Kickstarter. Yeah, not and forgotten. It's, it's about superheroes. So you should be our superhero and make sure that we're not forgotten. Yes, please. And go to Not Forgotten on Kickstarter and throw us twenty bucks, and I'll love you forever. Well said. And remember, you get the ten percent discount at Meltdown uh, at the twenty dollar or higher levels. Uh, so take advantage. 
Yeah, definitely. Same. Which creators are going to be here? Can you guys say from the book? Um, some of it's still TBD. I okay. think uh, I will be here. Jason Inman will be here. Um, uh, Jeffrey Bridges, I think, one of our other creators, uh, and possibly his wife, Susan. Jeff Bridges, Big Lebowski? Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, him, maybe, maybe him too. Uh, and so... Uh, and there's a Not Forgotten Anthology is the Facebook name for us. So they'll right. be yeah. announced on there, mm-hmm. so you can check that out. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, and we'll post the link everywhere, uh, and hopefully Meltdown will we'll socialize it as well. Yeah, definitely, Absolutely. for sure. And, then, uh, and so we'll, uh, we'll try to have all those folks here, as well as some guests who aren't connected to the book, but are big fans of it, and uh, mm-hmm. are excited about what, what, uh, what we're doing here. So I think it's going to be pretty, pretty fun. Uh, and pretty unhinged because we, you know, as with going into the comic, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. So uh, I will have no idea what I'm doing on live video. Nice. <laughs> I'll say uh, alcohol is a big, a big winner of of people. Yeah, you guys need fucking drinking, dude. We are alcohol. That's the Dolly quote. Like, I don't do drugs. I am drugs. I am so drugs. yeah, <laughs> how dare you read this book? Well, Our I only bring that up melted. because of uh, you know, I, don't, I forgot his last name. Austin James Stone Cold. Austin Steve? James. James. Uh, he also did a, a live stream, but he was taking shots for every five dollars people gave he was him. So fucking he, wasted. Yeah, but those five dollars were pouring in. Right. I'm gonna do a strip poker type scenario where oh, for every five dollars I'll take off like a shit. bracelet. Yeah, you guys, an earring. I mean, you guys should be thinking of creative ways of when you get money, take a shot. I'll take a shot. I'll be here Wednesday night. I'll take so a yeah. punch yeah. in the gut. Yeah, Frank. I'll do the. Oh, I'll, punch I'll, in I'll do the, the straight edge version. <laughs> Got to go way higher than five dollars. Right. Yeah. That's ooh. Right. Maybe I'm into uh, it. You know. I think we are going to try to bring <laughs> some free alcohol uh, to to uh, to the shop for those who show up in person. Yeah. Uh, and we'll. I think you're right. I think we'll have to get creative with how it's used. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. That's wow. smart. And then what about your personal social? Where can we find you? Oh, I'm online at emecomics.com or with my unspellable last name on Twitter <laughs> at Eric M. Esquivel, which is E-S-Q-U-I-V-E-L. But yeah, mostly emecomics.com because you can spell that and find that. There you go. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter at my name, which is Jeff Leeds, J-E-F-F-L-E-E-D-S. It's easy. How dare you? <laughs> Easy. How dare you? Right. Well, my name's Aristotle. I mean, yeah, you're hard to Google it's, though because it's just that old guy. It's most, uh, yeah, it's mostly him or uh, Aristotle Nassus. or the big Aristotle Shack. The big Aristotle. Is that, that his was, real name? I never knew that before. <laughs> no, 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 that's what they call him. It, it, was, it, was, it was for Aristotle. like a week in the nineties. I'm gonna that's, call you. Shaq it wasn't for a week on. in the nineties because I, I. That's how I think of Shaq. Because it's I, Shaquille, right? Yeah, it's Shaquille O'Neal. I know that because people told me that for one week in the 90s. I'm going to call you that then, for two weeks right nope, now. He never went any... You know what? I had a poster of him. <laughs> I had a Shaquille O'Neal poster, and in the background said the bigger... Of course it did. Do you still have it? No. Oh, uh, because it could have been a reward tier for the Kickstarter. Oh, fuck. Because I had you sign it. Oh. You really yeah, fucked that me. one up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'll buy you $100 for it. <laughs> All right. All right, well... Cool, oh, yeah. guys. Thank you, uh, guys. Make sure to go to support the Kickstarter, please. They want to hit the goal. They want to get this book printed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, that's been Melcast. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for picking us up. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We're at Melcast. We occasionally tweet some things. And while you're at it, follow at Meltdown Comics. They're awesome, and you can keep up with all of their sales and events that happen every day.